0: giant voice. The official podcast
1: of the United States Navy's largest overseas installation, Commander Fleet Activities, Yokosuka. All the information you need to succeed as a forward deployed sailor in Japan. Each week. We tackle one topic and speak to experts who can answer
0: some of your most frequently asked questions. This is the Giant Voice podcast.
1: So, hey, everybody, and uh, welcome to our uh, inaugural episode. So, uh, my name is Dave Fluellen. Uh, I work for Commander Fleet Activities Yokosuka Public Affairs Office, and Our goal with this podcast is kind of to get out some command information in a bit of a different way and something that's a little more conversational and maybe a little more accessible. And kind of what we want to do is, at least for now, is to each episode bring in, you know, some kind of expert or subject matter expert about some issues that you know we know people are talking about on the waterfront or on social media and kind of try and you know cut through some of the the rumors and um, get like the actual information. So you know, we hope that this is gonna be enjoyable for everyone. We're gonna have a bunch of different guests on in the coming months, different hosts cycling through. and um, in that spirit, our first guest today, is going to be Commander, Navy Region Japan, Rear Admiral Carlotti, And what he's gonna talk about is the SOFA agreement, the status of forces agreement. That document that's negotiated between the United States and Japan that allows us all to be here visa-free and dictates a lot of what we can and can't do here in Japan. There's a lot of rumors about what that document is, what it covers, what it doesn't cover, He's going to answer those questions. So it should hopefully be a a pretty enlightening conversation. And so, yeah, without further ado, here he is, Rear Admiral Carlotti. All right, sir, the first thing I'd like to ask you is, how long have you been here in Japan, and what do you think of Japan so
0: far? So I've been in Japan since... June of 2021, and it is phenomenal. Great. It's a great experience, and I love living here. Where
1: did you come from
0: before this? I was in Washington D.C. It was the Commandant of Naval District Washington.
1: Okay, what was your what was your last uh, like sea duty where you were deploying a whole bunch? What was the last command at sea?
0: So the last command I had at sea would have been uh, USS Memphis. Okay. Uh, the commanding officer uh, had to be relieved and. Uh, kind of quickly. And so I got an opportunity to take command and then uh, take it on deployment command. Awesome. And that was, uh, that was the 2011 timeframe.
1: Great. That sounds fantastic. I'm glad you're loving Japan so far. What, uh, what types of things do you like about Japan? What's been your favorite thing so far?
0: Um, I think my favorite thing is the food.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, ramen, I mean? sushi. Well,
0: I love fish. Oh yeah. And so all things fish are phenomenal for me, and it's just, it's you know, sushi, sashimi, uh, fish prepared anyway, and it, you can get all kinds of it uh, very effectively and easily.
1: Do we think that's a Submariner thing? You're kind of part fish now?
0: <laughs> I, I don't think it's necessarily that. Because um, most of the fish we had in the submarine were the, the pre-made, uh, you know, fish squares.
1: <laughs> that's right. All right, cool. So let's get right into it, sir. Again, I'm really happy to have you here. Um, I think uh, from what I know about Sofa, I, I think there's some confusion about out there about what it even is and what it entails and, um, and kind of what it covers and what it doesn't cover. So the first thing I'd kind of like to ask you is: is, can you give everybody kind of a brief overview of Sofa, what it is, what it covers, what it doesn't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So um, the United States has a, a treaty of mutual security and cooperation with Japan, which we signed in, uh, in January of 1960. And uh, under Article 5 of that treaty, you know, we're, we've agreed to come to the defense of Japan if Japan's attacked. And so at the same day we signed that treaty, we signed uh, something called the uh, Status of Forces Agreement with Japan that talked about um, how our forces would have access to Japan. And so the most important thing about the uh, the Status of Forces Agreement is providing the United States access to Japan to fulfill our treaty obligations and then to have uh, units forward deployed here to support uh, broader operations in the Indo-Pacific.
1: So this is kind of the reason why, let's say, when a new sailor arrives to Japan, when they get to customs, they don't have to provide a passport. Where they can just show a military ID and walk right into the
0: country. You're absolutely right. It allows you to enter the, uh, the country on military ID and orders with no passport or visa. It allows you to get your household goods without being taxed by the government of Japan. You can buy stuff on base and it's not taxed by Japan. Uh, many of those things are covered on this task force agreement.
1: Excellent. So yeah, I think that's a pretty good thing. Maybe can can I ask you maybe anything you know about sort of maybe the 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 history of how it's changed over the years from you know post war era to when it's negotiated and up to today? Has there been any drastic changes Um, and just kind of how it's evolved in uh, uh, in that way?
0: So that's a great question. So, you know, immediately after the war, the United States governed Japan. And, uh, and as we transitioned to, uh, to the civil government of Japan that they have today, the, the, uh, the status of our forces uh, policy changed slightly between the end of the war and 1960. But it has not changed since 1960. It's been the same. The one thing we do have that meets on a regular basis is something called the joint committee. And uh, the United States government and the government of Japan meet together to discuss issues related to the status of forces agreement on a very regular basis. Um, At at a joint committee meeting and so those questions or concerns or how we want to interpret it uh, We have you know going back to 1960 We have the history of joint committee meetings if we need to go figure something out.
1: So I I Will give you a little anecdote sir Um, A few weeks ago. I was in a meeting somewhere and they were talking about using these motorized scooters on on uh, on the facility And someone said something about, well, Japanese law says XYZ about motorized scooters, and someone said, well, what does that have to do with us on base, i.e., the impression being that the base is not Japan, it's the United States, and therefore not subject to Japanese law. Is that true, or does the sofa agreement say something else?
0: So, um, within our U.S. Uh, sofa installations, we can set policy for types of motor vehicles that we would be allowed to use. Now, those scooters have a large problem, a large safety issue, and uh, <laughs> That's right. with with people either hitting hitting something with them, getting hit on them, or them starting on fire. Yeah, and so we would be very very concerned about you know scooter operation, um, similar to how the government of Japan is concerned. But the sofa gives us the authority within our own controlled area to, to set policies like that. Um, but as soon as you leave our area that we control, then uh, you're subject to the, uh, the policies and laws of the government of Japan.
1: Excellent. And um, so the, the, the base is sort of keeping pace with most of what the laws and policies would be in the government of Japan while we're on base.
0: Uh, absolutely, and you uh, know, in, in reality, you know, the, Japan's laws and the United States' laws are very, very similar. That's Our right, constitutions yeah. are very similar, and although there are some implementation changes in the way the laws are implemented between both countries, we basically both had the same sets of laws.
1: Um, so here's a, the big question: the the SOFA agreement itself, as it was negotiated and as it exists, is this document? Um, is this something that we can go out and find as regular people? Is this something that is classified or secret or in, in any way or is this a document that we can we can view and look at?
0: Absolutely this document is not classified. This is a public document that was uh uh, agreed to by the government of Japan and the government of the United States. If you get onto your Google search bar and type U.S. Japan sofa, you're going to come up with a copy of the U.S. Japan sofa from multiple different websites. And that is the same sofa as the real deal one? That is the same sofa as the real deal one. If you want to make sure you got the real deal, go to the Japan Ministry of Foreign Affairs website. It'll give you, the, it'll give you a, a copy of the sofa in English.
1: So does that to say that um, we, uh, as the U.S. Navy or the U.S. military, we have sole jurisdiction over what happens on the base from a legal standpoint?
0: Actually, the government of Japan has concurrent jurisdiction with the United States on our bases. So uh, in general, you know, an offense committed by a U.S. SOFA personnel on a U.S. base is going to be is going to be investigated and dealt with under the U.S. Um, laws and policies. But Japan also has concurrent jurisdiction. This is true in many of our bases in the United States, where the uh, the local or state authorities might have concurrent jurisdiction with the uh, with the federal authorities on the base.
1: Right. So, for example, um, I'm thinking about some incidents that have happened on bases in the United States that maybe begin as a military investigation, but then because something happens off base that's involved with that investigation it then becomes maybe the the local police's jurisdiction
0: yeah so we um for every incident like that we cooperate and coordinate very very closely with the government of japan each installation commander has has um uh staff, judge, advocate, and legal advisors that are very, very closely connected with Japanese law enforcement and the local Japanese governments. And so when we have an incident that may cross back and forth, we'll have that discussion back and forth with who's going to be the the lead investigatory agent. But the bottom line is, if it happens on a U.S. SOFA facility, we're generally going to take the lead in the investigation, or if it happens off, the government of Japan does. But you know, each one of those things, we'll have a separate discussion on. And, And these things don't happen very frequently.
1: I'd like to get into, you know, for those who aren't going to necessarily go and Google the document. Um, what does it cover? What doesn't it cover? And what does it what does it mean as far as us here in Japan?
0: So, so that's a great question. You're right. It's a 22 page document if you print it out <laughs> in English, and there's some very technical portions of this document that talk about real estate and changing real estate. Uh, ownership between government, and Japan, and the United States. Yeah, we're not all experts in legalese, right? <laughs> you no, know, no, exactly. And so, <laughs> in those things and talks about import and export of military hardware and things like that, and that's really, you know, the average person is not going to get involved in that. Um, but what, what's really important to understand is that, you know, the stuff that relates to you personally, like your household goods or purchases you might make, um, you know, on a navy or a or sofa facility, um, your ability to receive a driver's license, all those things are. are codified in the status of forces agreement one of the uh, one of the biggest ones that most people don't understand is the uh the part of the agreement that says that um, uh, members of the united states armed forces and their dependents and civilians are subject to the laws of the government of japan and and that's really just kind of one statement in there but how that's applied by the government of japan um, is different than would be applied in the united states right and in what in what way does that differ so, uh, you know, for example, the, uh, the Japanese justice system, police are allowed to detain you for up to 23 days for questioning with no attorney present. Um, <clears throat> you have no equivalent of the Miranda rights in Japan. You have a right to remain silent, but it can be used against you in court later on. Um, and you can be criminally charged for you know, accidents that might not be charged in the United States. So I
1: heard a story a while ago in regards to that, of um, someone opening a car door and hitting a bicyclist, and they were criminally charged for this as a negligent act. Is, that, is something like that true? Is that possible?
0: You know, that, that is correct. A- absolutely. There is a, um, there's a different view of liability in Japan than there is in the United States. And so many times, uh, what might be considered an accident in the United States may end up in a, in a criminal charge um, in, in Japan, which is why it's just so important to be very um, aware of your surroundings and what's going on, especially when you're operating a motor vehicle. You know, 80% of our concerns regarding the Japanese justice system are motor vehicle accidents.
1: So, is that the motor vehicle accidents? Would you say that that is that's the largest amount of, of
0: kind of incidents that we have as sofa members? Uh, yeah, that that is correct. Now, many of these are minor, do not result in criminal charges, and are and are resolved relatively quickly. But but some of them become become can become big incidents.
1: So, I I've also heard that. Um, uh, uh, DUI and things like that here are taken much more seriously and are done, punishments can be much more severe than what they would be in the United States. Is that true as well?
0: Um, that is true. Uh, you know, additionally, the uh, the the way they calculate blood alcohol concentration in Japan is different from really? the United States. And so... Um, uh, they use a different formula and a different way to do it, but it basically equates to a bulk of alcohol content of 0.03. So essentially, if you have one Capital drink... NyQuil. <laughs> <laughs> you know, exactly. If you have one drink, you should not drive in Japan. That would be my strong recommendation. If you're going to drink one drink, then just don't drive in Japan.
1: I mean, there's really no need to with all the fantastic public transportation we have
0: around here. I mean, you, you can't beat it, you know? Yeah, you know, if you, if you avoid just the three Ds, you know, don't drive drunk, distracted or drowsy um, most of our uh, most of our motor vehicle incidents um, go away but uh, but the, you know the, the additional liability that you assume by driving and people need to understand that in Japan
1: so let's talk a little bit I'd like to ask you about how sofa relates to how sofa in the military position here in Japan relates to the embassy what sofa has to do with the embassy, what USFJ's role is in that? And what's the difference between, you know, SOFA and something like diplomatic immunity or or another type of, of kind of uh, foreign visa?
0: The senior representative of the U.S. government in Japan is the ambassador. And currently it's Ambassador Emanuel. And so um, U.S. Forces Japan is a subunified command under U.S. Uh, Indo-PACOM. And so U.S. Forces Japan is tasked as being the senior U.S. military representative to the government of Japan. And so they work hand-in-hand with the U.S. Embassy um, with regards to the Status of Forces Agreement and the uh, the government of Japan. So U.S. Forces Japan is really our primary um, entry when we talk SOFA issues with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Japan. But every time we do that, there is an embassy person alongside helping us out.
1: Got it. So this is why a lot of um, our liberty policies and maybe some of the stuff with COVID, why this stuff is coming down from USFJ, is because they're the way I'm hearing you is they're kind of the the kind of point of the triangle there of where this sofa information is filtering down from.
0: Yeah, USFJ is the commander tasked with. Um, um, Directing health protection, force protection, and other conditions in Japan as a sub-unified commander under um, uh, IndoPacom. Great.
1: Yeah, that's good. That answers that question. So it makes a lot of sense when you know uh, sometimes we get frustrated at some of the rules we might have, and um, I think it's important to at least for me now to understand that you know th- there's a bigger picture to these rules, and they have to do with this SOFA agreement that's in in place, and that these aren't things that are arbitrarily put in place by local commanders to make our lives difficult.
0: Yes, <laughs> you know, some service members think that's true. But um, but what we have been doing, I would say, over the last year is trying to get away from just large blanket orders and uh, and allowing individual commanders to make kind of their own decisions. Um, but some of these things are, are challenging to walk back after a number of years of doing something, so they, the change happens a little a little slower. But, you know, as you can see, over the last year with COVID, you know, a year ago, if you came here, you were in a room for for 14 days right. or restricted to your base for 14 days and uh, and now we're up to visa free travel with three vaccines no no covid test and so we actually have come a long way and a lot of those things and the way we implement them are negotiated between U S forces Japan and the Japan Ministry of Foreign Affairs
1: so right so this, this this whole sofa feeds into our entire alliance between the United States and Japan and and how we work out this military alliance so it's kind of our our uh, a big part of of what we do every day, right?
0: No, a- absolutely. The Status of Forces Agreement, guess gives us access to to have presence in Japan, and then operating under the Status of Forces Agreement allows us to f- to. Um fulfill our treaty obligations uh, with Japan. And so what's important to note is that, you know, when we talk about defending Japan, we work hand in hand with uh, the Ministry of Defense and with the Navy, the uh, Japan Maritime Self-Defense Force. We sail together and we fly together daily at sea. When it comes to our presence in Japan and everything dealing with people moving and things moving back and forth, that's all dealt with through the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So I'd like to, I'd like to
1: circle back for one sec. um, Back, we talked a Little bit about the uh, the Japanese justice system and some of the differences there. Um, you know, we talk a lot about recently, especially in the United States, about you know what do you do when uh, you're arrested by a, a police officer? What's the right course of action?
0: So, if you have a uh, if you're involved in an incident, you should immediately call the base police and then call your command. Got it. And um, and. The base police in your command then will take, the, uh, will take the action to notify the local installation commander, and then uh, uh, our, our security and, uh, and a legal representative will, will show up and, and give you the initial instructions uh, and read you what's called SOFA rights.
1: So, what about a translator? Will the police prov- would the police provide a translator or do we need to call our command and get someone on the horn to get a translator down there?
0: So that's part of you calling security is security has people that, that speak Japanese. The police uh, may or may not even have access to a translator depending on where you are in Japan.
1: Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Do you have any direct advice to someone who, they're new to Japan, they just got here, they're an E2. Um, They're going off base for the first time and they don't know anything about Japan and their whole life has been in Lubbock, Texas or, uh, you know, uh, Missouri or Oklahoma or New York City. What should they know as far as the SOFA agreement and how should they conduct themselves off base in Japan.
0: I run into sailors regularly whose second time on an airplane was to come to Japan. Their first time was to go to boot camp, and they had never left the state that they grew up in. And
1: suddenly they're driving on the wrong side of the road in a country halfway around the world.
0: Yeah, and when, you know when they wake up on the way home from the airport because they don't know what time zone they're in, um, it's kind of it's kind of a, a mysterious thing. But um, so the first thing is, you know, everyone that comes to Japan should go through their area orientation brief. Right. And in that briefing, you'll be given um, some instructions on, uh, uh, on how to conduct yourself, uh, uh, you know, on and off base in Japan. So following that instruction is important. Um, a couple of things we do notice is um, uh, possession of knives. So knives are very, very restricted in the government of Japan. My recommendation is just don't, don't take a knife off base. Right. Um, and then the other thing is uh, possession of illegal drugs. So it seems to be that whenever a service member has drugs, they get, they get picked up by the Japan police. I have no idea how they figure that out, but uh, but uh, having illegal drugs is. Uh is a very much of a significant crime in Japan is treated more severely than it is in the United States to include cannabis. I know. Yeah. That
1: I didn't know that that cannabis uh, uh, penalties here can be similar to what what the penalties would be for very hard drugs in the United States.
0: Cannabis is treated like heroin. Wow. Uh, It's in in Japan. It's treated very, very, um, uh, very, very severely. And so you can't possess, you know, cannabis or any CBD oil products or anything else off base. So, you know, no cannabis materials, no illegal, drugs and, and no knives are the first two things. So if as long as you're not carrying anything that's illegal, that, that's a big step into, right. into, into not getting in <laughs> trouble. The, um, the, the, the second thing is um, uh, Japan um, is very sensitive to assaults on other people. Right. And so it's very important not to get into fights uh, with anyone either on or off base, or, or to assault anyone. And if you're concerned or you have a question or you're not sure what's going on, just reach back to your command or reach back to the the base where you came from uh, and, and ask the question. Sir, I read on my
1: Navy Vet Facebook page um, some stuff about SOFA, and it seems like a lot of people are confused, but I mean, there's usually a lot of reliable information on there, and um, you know, uh, so where should I go to get information about SOFA?
0: Hey, thanks for that question, because we, um, every single day, we see, um, we see, it posts about the status of forces agreement on various social media platforms, and that's not the place to go to get information about right. the status of forces agreement. Uh, first of all, you know you can you can read the status of forces agreement yourself. That's step number one. And uh, and step number two is to seek, if you have a question, um, seek guidance from your command or a staff judge advocate. Each one of our Navy installations in Japan has staff judge advocates specifically trained in implementation of the status of forces agreement. And so you can go up to their office and, and, and get a question. If you got a specific question about the sofa, please don't go to social media or to your friend or anything else. You know, seek guidance through your commander or through your base staff judge advocate.
1: Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, don't listen to the rumors on the smoke deck because 90% of the time they're not true, right?
0: You know, No, exactly right. And and we see so many things swirling around um, the, the uh, information sphere on the status of forces agreement when we just need you to go to the people who are the experts in this, who deal with this on a, on a daily basis that can give you the right advice.
1: All right, so, sir, I mean, based on some of this stuff we're talking about, I mean, I can be held negligent for opening my car door and accidentally hitting a bicyclist. I mean, this sounds like a pretty scary place to live. Like, maybe the the Japanese police are people that I don't want to mess around with.
0: Yeah. You know, you shouldn't be scared about living in Japan. Japan's a wonderful place with many, many wonderful things to experience from the food to the culture, to the uh, to the historic um, uh, nature of many things you could visit around here to Disneyland. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a great place to be. And so you shouldn't really be scared. Um, and uh, not every criminal offense is, is prosecuted. You know, the Japanese authorities look for you know what was the what was the circumstances around this and um, you know an apology goes a long way to solving problems you know if you're drunk and you uh, and you trash a room in a bar uh, but you apologize to the bar owner and uh, and pay for the repairs we avoid usually criminal prosecution in those cases and we've got a couple of instances of that um, throughout the years although
1: you still might might be in trouble with your command here on base that's for sure
0: you know, a- a- <laughs> absolutely absolutely but um, but not every Not everything. And Japanese police aren't out to get you. Right. You know they're out to you know to make sure that Japan's a safe place to be. Right. And so when you're trying to be out there being safe, just like the uh, just like everyone else in Japan, uh, you're just fine. I mean, we have people that come and go from this base every single day for decades and have no experience with Japanese law enforcement whatsoever. Right.
1: I've had I've had one experience with Japanese law enforcement, and uh, they were looking for uh, uh, searching for some criminal. And as I walked past, they asked me for my ID card in Japanese. This was when my, my wife, then girlfriend, lived in, uh, in Tokyo Central. I showed them my CAC card. And the police officer bowed, saluted me, and told me to walk on.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, even if you get a traffic ticket, they'll bow after they give you your ticket. <laughs> but, but, but it is a very polite society. But uh, people who are trying to follow the rules and and just every day doing it, doing their thing, going from work and going to the grocery store and things, or or going out to see uh, you know a shrine or other or other um, historic sites, um, usually they have nothing to worry about with the, with the government of Japan. Um, so, how about this, or let's say, you know,
1: the same thing with the negligence we're talking about, don't drive drowsy. Let's say my command tells me that I need to take the government vehicle and go off base and pick someone up at Haneda, and maybe on the way back, am I drowsy? Should I be worried about possibly? Being held
0: legally responsible if something were to happen in that case. So, so that's a great question. You know, if you're in the performance of your official duties, uh, whether you're on a base or, or off a base, um, the the Satsujin Forces Agreement is is pretty clear that the you know you'll be subject to the uh, the United States government um, uh, rules, regulations, and laws. Now, you're still going to be held accountable if you fall asleep. Right. It'll just be under U.S. law instead of under Japanese law in that particular case, since you were in the in the official performance of your duties.
1: So that would fall to anyone in the official performance of their duties in an off-base environment would automatically default to being held responsible under US law rather than Japanese law.
0: That, that is correct. And you know, and again, just as every time an incident happens, you know, we do a legal analysis, but but in general, if you're in performance of your official duties, you're going to fall under US law. Now, that that could end up being more serious than under the Japanese right. law depending on what happens. Right. But uh, but you'll be handled by by US authorities and and will hold you appropriately accountable.
1: So are there any concerns that SOfa members might face increased criminal liability here in Japan versus the United States and is that fundamentally due to a difference in the justice system
0: uh, I don't think there's any concern that there's any you know significant difference in, in facing criminal liability in, in between the different countries but you have to understand that although our constitutions are similar um, they're not exactly the same and the laws of the nations are not exactly the same but uh, but just as you know when you're in Japan and we're subject to laws of Japan if you travel to Singapore you're subject to the laws of Singapore right. You know, gum Possession of gum in Singapore is an offense Yeah, With
1: corporal punishment too <laughs>
0: Well, in some cases um, You know, if you travel to Canada You're subject to the laws of Canada Even though they're just you know, share a border with the United States,
1: and and people who travel to the United States are subject to our laws while they're in our country.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Japanese citizens that travel to Hawaii for vacation are subject to United States laws, and, and so it's incumbent upon people who are conducting international travel to understand the, the rules, regulations, and laws that are, that pertain in in each country which which they are in. But fundamentally, I believe that uh, you know, SOFA members are, are safe from you know within the justice system of Japan.
1: As as far as us as As SOFA members, in many ways, we are guests in this country, and it's our responsibility to at least understand a little bit about the laws and structure uh, of the country we're in and to be good guests.
0: You know, absolutely. You have to, you know, you have to understand the, some of the cultural differences in the way the law is applied, you know, and the fact that, um, you know, the victim of a crime has uh, some input into prosecutorial decisions as well as sentencing decisions. Right. Uh, you know, we do that in the United States, but it's treated with a different level of, uh, of, of input. And, um, and as long as you're aware of that and some of the, you know, your increased... Um, you know, personal liability, then you do just fine. And again, you shouldn't be afraid to go out into Japan. It's a wonderful country. And I think everyone should take an opportunity to, vi- to visit areas of Japan and to really experience the culture and the people.
1: And, you know, they're doing something right because it's an amazingly safe place. My six-year-old son walks to school by himself, and I don't know too many places in the world where that would happen.
0: Now, you're absolutely right. I mean, you just look around. There's not a lot of trash on the ground. Right. Uh, people have a, lot, you know, a strong sense of personal responsibility, and that personal responsibility creates a group environment that makes it very safe and clean.
1: That's well put, sir. I never really thought about it like that, but that's a good way to think. Individual responsibility sort of spills over into a collective consciousness.
0: And, and that that's how you see sometimes the law applied in Japan. You know, that sense of individual responsibility is so important within a, within a Japanese citizen so that they make sure that they, that they are contributing overall to society.
1: Excellent. I mean, I think this has been very informative. I feel like I learned uh, uh, quite a bit. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add sir
0: um, that that we haven't spoken about for before uh, I mean the floor is yours hey no thank you thank you very much you know it is a uh, Japan's a wonderful country with a with a tremendous um, you know ancient history and um, in a modern world and it's a great place to be and to be stationed and so you know, I'm really um, thankful to everyone who's taken the uh, the opportunity to serve here in Japan. Would ask them to you know, be aware of the status of forces agreement and the things that apply to them but, uh, but also take some opportunity to experience the country and to learn more about Japan and about our closest ally in the Western Pacific.
1: Great, sir. Hey, thank you so much and I'm not sure if you know but this is actually our inaugural episode sir and you are our very first guest so uh, I think that's That's pretty cool. So, thank you very much for being here. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. The Giant Voice podcast is a production of Commander Fleet Activities Yokosuka Public Affairs Office. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the policy of the Department of the Navy or Department of Defense. Thanks for listening.